The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums Podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Welcome to the AV Forum's Home Cinema Podcast. Uh, we're coming to you live from the London Sound and Vision Show this weekend. And we're starting the day the Curo way. And uh, to explain exactly what that tagline means, I'm joined by Jim Catside from Pioneer. Jim's a, a regular on the forums and on the podcast. Hi, Jim. Hello, Phil. How are you? Mm. Yeah, very good. And um, we, we are having breakfast in the, the Curo room, which... Uh, funnily enough, is all in black. Well, there you go. We, we do everything the Kuro way now. I always put my money on black, so uh, and I think it pays off. I really do. Uh, we've tried to deck all the room really light out to get the best out of the screens, obviously, and show people what they can really do. But as you know, yeah, Kuro means black. It's Japanese for black. And uh, we want to really get across to people the, the premium look and attitude of Pioneer now by presenting the products in the, the best possible way. And also uh, joining us today is Neil Davidson. Uh, Neil is the regular uh, display guru on the AV podcast. Hi, Neil. Hi, Phil. So we've had a look around the Cura room. I'll come to Neil first. Neil, what's your impressions of the, the new 1080 panels? Yeah, the panels look very impressive, Phil. Um, we need to have a bit of uh, a more detailed play, but certainly the colours look uh, very impressive. Um, and as always, we would expect with these Kuro panels, the black levels are also superb. So, Jim, the 1080 screens have finally uh, hit the UK. Um, they're out there now. They're here for people to have a look at this weekend. You must be very, very happy with them. Oh, yeah, indeed. I mean, we've just actually launched the uh, PDP Alex 508, so a new 50-inch in the Alex series. The Alex denotes the fact that these are 1080p panels, so 1920 by 1080 resolution. Um, the f- well, there were actually two versions of these models. So, for example, we've got uh, two 50-inch models, the PDP Alex 508 and the 5080, which is a derivative model, uh, with, t- with a step-up in price between them. Only a couple of hundred pounds between them. But the main difference being the upper model, the 508, uses a new version of our direct colour filter. Um, so that's the only key difference, really, to be fair. Uh, the filter material is more expensive, hence there is a, a, a step up in price. Um, but in the longer term, hopefully we can see this filter used on many of our products. Uh, the main key advantage of this filter technology is it improves the red, particularly the red level. So if you actually saw a colour burst or even just bright red things on the screen, like Ferrari racing cars or something, for example, and you had it side by side with the uh, lower model, you would see a difference in the red quality between the two. And this, of course, as I'm sure my friend here, here would explain, you know, uh, improves everything in the colour palette to do with red as well if you can get the intensity of the red uh, that much richer and that much more pure Um, then you move up to the 60 inch and again same step up better filter on the upper model and you've got the 6080 the entry model and the 608 the upper model again obviously full 1080p now, Jim, there's been a lot of talk on the forums. I'm not sure if you've, you've managed to catch up with uh, some of the things that have been said. Uh, but basically, the, the one criticism, um, and I hope you don't mind me putting this to you for an answer, is um, why are the screens so expensive? Uh, in Curry's last year, the one is as expensive as they are this year, so why? I think you've got to, you know, again, I think we've touched on this before, um, Phil, and, you know, we've tried to explain. It's, it's very difficult often, I think, even from a consumer's point of view, to comprehend and understand um, the structure and what goes on behind companies like Pioneer. They just see Pioneer as the same as probably Atachi and Sony and Panasonic and all the other brands. But you've actually got to remember, Pioneer are really small. We don't make light bulbs, we don't make microwaves, we don't make road diggers, uh, we just make home electronics. Um, and obviously we make things like optical drives and that and drives for PCs, and we've been quite successful in car, obviously, and in DJ products as well More recently, in more recent times. Um, but that's all we do, that's what we specialise in. 
And you've got to remember that when you're actually manufacturing these screens, I mean, there are many manufacturers out there. Their target is obviously to sell as many as they physically can, and some of those companies are hundreds of times bigger than Pioneer. So, for example, a company like uh, Matsushita, who own the Panasonic brand, uh, they'll produce probably in excess of uh, you know, 12 to 15 million panels in a year that they'll manufacture. Pioneer will probably make more like a million. Uh, Sony and Samsung probably about around 10 million pieces, and so on and so on and so on. So you can see that we're actually very, very small. The one area that we are very strong is, though, is that actually, uh, and a name I think you've, you've heard before, because obviously you're in Rome, um, we, we're lucky that we've got a guy called Sato, Mr. Sato. And Sato-san, obviously, uh, is, is really the head guy in charge of our plasma division. Um, but he's actually he's, he's the scientist behind our technology and, has, and founded it within Pioneer. Um, and we like to regard him as the godfather of plasma. Um, the great thing about that is his background and reputation means that he's striving, as Pioneer have always done, historically as a brand, that's always what we've tried to do, striving for the best. And his target was, was to make the best plasma screen he possibly could. Uh, and we're lucky that we're a small company, and if you like, niche compared to the others, we can invest the time and energy in trying to make the very best and then like most things in life, you pay for the very best, unfortunately. Um, so unfortunately, our screens aren't accessible to everybody. They are twice the price of some of the competition. But like most of the magazines, and this almost seems to be a, glo- a global uh, and resounding yes from around the world, like they're all saying, they're worth every penny. Well, you recently gave me a 508 XD um, for a trial. And I've got to say, I don't really want to give it back, Jim. It's that good. Um, so... Th- Obviously, a lot of effort going into the plasma screens. I've just noticed to my right-hand side there a big beast of an amplifier, and I've got a sneaky suspicion it's got something to do with dragons. Sasano, yeah, Sasano, yeah, a mythical god. He's a, a Japanese mythical character. I think we're actually not going to be able to call him Sasano. I'm sure the name will end up being used in slang terms uh, globally for the product um, because I don't think we actually can because it's a Japanese god. I don't think the Japanese take kindly to that. But that was its working name, and really we, we named it Sasano because obviously the target was, was to make... Sasano was a slayer of dragons and demons for the gods and he was made a god I believe but you'll have to look the story up on Wikipedia if you want the facts and I think the idea is is that this is a slayer of the competition Um, it's a massive massive amplifier Um, the the technology the core technology behind it is very exciting and up until now we've seen a lot of digital amplifiers in small small products uh, but we haven't really seen digital amplification using anything uh, of any real size and, and weight Uh, And this amplifier actually uses ICE technology, ICE technology, which has been developed by Bang & Olsen. Pioneer have worked very closely with Bang & Olsen in developing the modules for this amplifier. It actually can uh, output seven channels of 200 watts simultaneously. That's a 10-channel amplifier. Um, we can't give you a lot of technical specification and detail about it because it doesn't come out until next March. So we're not going to spill the beans completely just yet. It's probably going to retail for about £4,500. Um, it's very nice, very tasty. We've just started the tuning up at Air Studios right now. I've just done the first session up there, and we'll probably do another half a dozen sessions, I expect, before we actually get there next March. No. You're not going to spill the beans on it, but I take it this will feature all the HD audio uh, codecs? Of course, yeah. I mean, actually, already this year, we've got the new uh, VSX Alex 60 and the VSX Alex 70 that we've got in the room here today as well. Uh, they're both launched about now. They'll be due in the shops any day. They also offer full double digital HD and DTS HD uh, support. And, of course, Sasano does all of that as well. On top of that, I mean, some of the things I can tell you about it, again, it will offer DLNA connectivity. The lower two amps I've just mentioned that replace the old AX2 and AX4s, uh, the 70 also offers uh, DLNA connectivity, but purely for audio. So you can connect it to your network 
network to get it your music file and of course the added advantages you can get at internet radio the, uh, the Sasano amp actually steps beyond that and a bit like our Blu-ray player offers you the ability to actually be able to stream HD video directly into the amp and up to your TV um, or indeed your JPEGs from your uh, collection as well on your PC so uh, quite nice we're going to see more and more and more of this DLNA type connectivity coming on products in the future without doubt now DNLA that's something we discussed in the last podcast Neil um, some real big developments coming with that technology so it's good to see that Pioneer's taking this on yeah, it's excellent to see that Pioneer's taking this on. Um, as I saw over at IFA, there were some interesting developments happening already. Jim just gave some idea there of uh, some of the options that are coming with Pioneer and anything that helps devices to operate correctly together and allow us access to the content more easily, I think is a fantastic thing and really something that we'll see more of on more devices. Now, Jim, multi-room through DNLA, is that something to be hinted at? I think obviously it opens up the door to a lot of opportunities. I mean, not only for, for multi-room, well, the sharing of media around the home, obviously. I mean, that, that's obviously what networking is all about anyway. Um, and I think, it, I think the other thing, I think it will harness that with other technologies to get the most from it. Whether that's things like we've introduced, you know, in the past, like PLC, where we were actually using the mains in the home to distribute uh, sound and information around the home for multi-room in a very simple way. Um, we're also seeing lots and lots of other areas where communication between these products is improving all the time and I think all these things will harness together HDMI for example with CEC custom electronics control allowing you to operate uh, you know two or more products you know simultaneously with one remote control with built-in macros and commands instantly recognized by each product so all these things are going to help towards multi-room in the future definitely yeah. And to finish off today, uh, we'll finish off with the, the Blu-ray player, the Alex 70. I understand the Alex 70A is due anytime now. Can you just give us some details on that? Yep, basically, uh, obviously when we introduced the 70 to be fair, and I mean, again, you saw it yourself out in Rome at the press launch that we did, we did make it quite clear that actually this is our, our first step into this market and that we will actually have a derivative model of this in the very near future. Uh, and of course, here we are, we're going to launch it next month. It's exactly the same to look at. The only difference is it ends in an A at the end of the model number, so BDP Alex 70A. Uh, and the main difference being now is it's got HDMI 1.3, uh, and it also uh, chipset-wise now enables us to do, whereas the BDP 70 could only output Dolby Digital HD and DTS HD via HDMI PCM, so converting on board, the new 70A can actually do uh, that via streaming that signal out of the HDMI so that the amplifier can do the decoding and it can do that for Dolby Digital HD DTS HD and at the last minute and we're very pleased because it's one of the first products that can do this, it can also do DTS Master Audio as well via the output Well that's great news and just to finish up, let's take the, the, the Pioneer cap off a sec, let's talk about Blu-ray HD DVD, ready for last week we've had some big moves recently um, where do you see things developing? I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens and I think, you know, we, again, we've discussed this many times I think really, I've always maintained it will be the content and the movies that will decide the future of these formats without doubt and I think if we're going to see a battleground of any sort uh, this year and lines drawn in the sound up with the American market, I think the Christmas season will indicate clearly in terms of volume and the sales that we see every Christmas when we get the other side of it, whether it's counting the amount of discs that have been sold or the amount of players that have been sold we'll probably have a clear indication of who's winning uh, and which way it seems to be going um, I'm, you know, again, I appreciate customers get caught up in all of this we're obviously very committed to the blu-ray format um, maybe the answer lies in dual players who knows if, if it does then we'll certainly produce those maybe it relies in dual discs who knows uh, that'd be great um, 
maybe it will end up with one format dominating over the other. Um, and if we had to put money on it, and of course that's what Pioneer have done, if you like, betting on black again. Uh, and to keep us in the black, we, we think that Blu-ray is probably the best way to go. Uh, and you know why, I mean, I've explained before, you know, we believe it's got more longevity and gives us more scope and opportunity for the future as a format. So, Jim, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but um, there was a little bit of news came out in the wires yesterday regarding Sharp tying up with Pioneer. Can you just explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. The, uh, there was an announcement uh, 5pm yesterday afternoon in Tokyo. In fact, it's all over the Japanese electronics newspapers uh, that Pioneer had actually invested uh, 14% investment in Pioneer. So they actually own now 14% shareholding of the company. Uh, that's not uncommon. I mean, you get obviously shareholders of most major, major organisations. I mean, you know, I do investors meetings. And I meet a lot of the banks and the investment companies that invest in Pioneer, for example. And they often invest and own 2, 3, 4, 5% sometimes in a company. Uh, but what this means is obviously Sharp have actually committed to a little bit more than that. Um, it's uh, actually an alliance. It's a product uh, a technology alliance uh, and a business alliance. And obviously I think the fruits of that will uh, hopefully be seen you know, in, in the coming months, if not years, ahead. The great thing I think it means is, and what I explained earlier, you know, Pioneer is quite a small company, a niche company, that are very specialist, and we want to be a premium specialist brand. That's really our target and where we're going. It changes nothing. It changes nothing with regard to our attitude towards plasma and where plasma is placed in the market. And we're still very committed to Kuro and where we see that going in the future. Who knows? It may mean that we actually introduce LCD or look at LCD technology in the future in the lower end of the market because we don't make smaller screen sizes and there's certainly a market there. And as I've always said to you, I don't completely knock LCD. It fits into many homes and many apartments perfectly because of its size. Um, It's great in certain lighting conditions. Its drawback is when you turn the lights down. Uh, And again, it's down to price. Not everybody at the end of the day can afford a Kuro plasma screen. We said that a little bit earlier. Uh, So it may give us an opportunity to make smaller screen sizes and, of course, add our expertise to that as well specialist tuning uh, and what we do with the product. I think the other thing, the other great advantage of it is, and as again I said earlier, you know, even with our Blu-ray player, again, it's had resounding press around the world and recognised as producing one of the best pictures, again, because of the effort and energy we put into doing that as a specialist brand. Uh, on the other hand, Sharp obviously can produce millions and millions and millions of Blu-ray players, and obviously they make a lot of the core components and parts that go into those. So the collaboration between the two companies is obviously to share not only their technologies and expertise that Pioneer might have, and that indeed Sharp have got on the patents and things that they own, but also also share that important pool of components and parts uh, to make us a much stronger company. At the end of the day, obviously, uh, Sharp and Pioneer will still remain completely separate companies. That's the intention at the moment and the intention we've been given from our board of directors. That's not the idea to actually amalgamate or do anything like that. Or, uh, you know, it, it really is two separate companies still. Pioneer making, if you like, uh, the premium products that we've always made. Uh, and hopefully, I think, a very bright future to give us the opportunity to, to really concentrate on making those in earnest and using the best of Sharp technologies to add to that as well should be good I'm looking forward to it Jim thanks very much for uh, letting us start the day the cure away <laughs> got it in there again for you Christmas this year actually Kuro Christmas I think we should have a black Christmas thanks very much again for uh, for taking the time to speak to us alright thanks a lot Phil cheers mate made by enthusiasts for enthusiasts wow a free movie thanks this is the AV Podcast. So, Neil, we started today with Pioneer and uh, their Kuro stand. Um, what was your initial impressions then? Yeah, the new panels, the 1080p panels, looked very good, uh, nice and sharp. They were all running in optimum mode, uh, which, as people who have the Pioneer panels will know, does an okay job of getting a good picture. Uh, there was certainly a fair bit of performance still to be achieved, though, I think. Now, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see pioneers way of doing things um, it's always that little bit different from everybody else especially when it comes to plasma I mean 
we could say that Pioneer invented the plasma. So it's uh, it's always interesting to see their angle on things. Yeah, the, the, the plasmas were certainly interesting. And as I said, they were running in that optimum mode, which tends to boost the colour a little bit. Um, a few other bits and pieces perhaps in the picture that wouldn't be to everyone's taste um, it's interesting though that Pioneer again have confirmed that the ISF modes and everything will be available in these panels um, and also that the with the high end market that they're trying to target uh, they really understand that people will do some setup and so on um, and I think that people will find that these panels offer a really really superb picture and some interesting angles when it comes to calibration, Pioneer certainly taking that seriously as well. Yeah, really taking it quite seriously. Um, a number of the Pioneer dealers are already trained in calibration and so on, um, and I think that that's people, something that people should look for when they're looking to buy a Pioneer. The dealer should be able to really help them tune it in for their equipment to make sure that the picture is as good as possible. It is a high-end panel, but it really does offer a high-end performance for a little bit of effort. And... Um, we spoke to Jim as well and a little bit of um, breaking news there as well regarding Sharp. Yeah, that's an interesting one. People uh, who are listening may have been surprised at the, the deal by Sharp to acquire 14% of the stock of Pioneer. Um, it may seem surprising, but actually it's a very, very complimentary move, I think. Um, Sharp, as people will know, have always been traditionally an LCD company, whereas Pioneer have always been focused on plasma. Um, now it enables both of those companies to perhaps explore other areas. I think in particular for Pioneer, um, we could see, and Jim certainly didn't deny it, uh, we could see some smaller panels coming from Pioneer, which would be based around LCT technology brought in from Sharp. And that could be interesting for them. In the past, Jim's been very adamant about the, the whole Blu-ray thing. Um, a little bit more muted this time round. Yeah, a little bit more muted. It's very, very interesting to see what's happening in the market. As we've spoken about on the podcast before, although the hardware vendors themselves seem to be really uh, getting behind the Blu-ray format, um, in terms of the actual content, and it was interesting that Jim specifically said the battle is not over the disc, it's really about delivering the content, and something we all agree on, the content is coming on HD-DVD. Um, thick and fast, whereas Blu-ray is starting to have a few stumbles. Um, so perhaps there's some life in uh, an HD DVD yet that we didn't quite expect to see, perhaps even two or three weeks ago. And it's it's always encouraging that, that the manufacturers actually stop and take take stock of of what's actually going on in the marketplace. And it seems like Pioneer would certainly be able to move if, if the market did move in another direction. Yeah, I mean, something that I hinted at perhaps again in the last podcast, I don't think it would be any surprise if a number of the, the Blu-ray players um, or, or the Blu-ray backing companies have an HD DVD product tucked up their sleeve as well. Um, none of these products can afford to be left out in the cold if one of the formats suddenly wins as a surprise. So I'm sure you'll find that there has been a lot of developments in the background. Um, so uh, th there could be some quite fluid changes in the market if the content starts to go for HD DVD. Well, it, we only really need one of the big players to jump over to HD DVD and then suddenly everything kicks off again. Now, uh, Jim also mentioned a dual format player. Should we read too much into that? Again, it was very interesting. He said dual format without any real derision or anything like that. Um, I have to say that so far I'm not convinced of the benefits of the dual format players. The idea in principle is fantastic, but so far the performance has been very, very sorely lacking, um, especially at the, the quite high price point of the two. Actually, a lot of times it would be cheaper just to buy two good individual players. Um, the discussion, though, with Jim, I don't know, he, he certainly didn't disagree that a combo player could be the way forward, and it could be an interesting product if they do that. 
So if people are heading down to the show Saturday, Sunday, definitely go into the Pioneer uh, booth there. Uh, Kiro, it's uh, amazingly all in black now. Yes, very much all in black. People don't want to be wearing dark glasses in that room. They ain't going to be seeing a lot. Okay, so we're going to uh, move on and round the show and we're going to look at some two-channel stuff next. This is the AV Podcast. So I'm joined by uh, Martin Moorcroft from Redline. Yep, so great. what's Redline doing here then? Yeah, we're, we're showing the moon equipment. We've got a whole range of moon stuff. We've got some new kit there, the Moon Series 1, which will be launched uh, beginning of next year in the UK. We're playing the big high-end evolution system from Moon with the Andromeda CD player, the P8 preamp and the W7 power amp. And we've got a vinyl system to play as well, which we'll swap around during the day. So, yeah, we've got a lot of interesting kit. So, very two-channel. I take it this is uh, one area of Redline's business that you you take a lot of time and care over. Yeah, I mean, Redline's effectively split into two areas. We have the AV side, which deals with Artisan and Velodyne. And then the two-channel side is predominantly Moon with the Abbey Road cables. So it's, it's an interesting combination. We're able to jump between the two. I notice a lack of Velodyne here yes. today. We're concentrating on, on yeah. two-channel. Uh, but I understand that the cabling system is, is very important to your system. Yes. It, we're using the Abbey Road cable, which is licensed by Abbey Road Recording Studios and developed by them. And it's, uh, it, it's an interesting thing to be able to take to the retail market, and it's just being launched now. So very good. So people heading down to the show either Saturday or Sunday this week, um, if they could pop along and see Redline, what can they expect? Uh, just a, a very well-sorted two-channel system that does everything you would ever dream it should do. Martin, it's uh, been great speaking to you. Hopefully we'll catch up at uh, what Hi-Fi show in November, yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see the Velodyne stuff. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much. You're listening to the AV Podcast. And we're having a peruse around the two-channel rooms, and I'm with Nathan from uh, Cord Electronics. Hello, Nathan. Hello there. How are you doing? So um, just let listeners know what you are showing in your room. Okay, okay. Well, first and foremost, we've got our brand spanking new red reference CD player, which is also accompanied by a static display of the red standard, which is the stripped-down version of the same thing. And that's uh, powered with a 3350, which is our brand spanking new top-of-the-range integrated amplifier, and they're powered on our Wilson Benish Acts. Now, these are brand-new products, so, so what makes them different from products that have gone before? Um, well, in terms of the technology put into the Red Reference, um, we're using DAC64 technology, which is exclusive to Cord, um, using our own custom-made chipsets uh, and also upsampling technology. So some of this technology has been seen formally, actually, in our Coral range, which is the Blue and the DAC64, um, which uses a similar technology, but this is taking it one step further. This racking system is just blowing my mind design-wise. It looks absolutely fantastic. Can, can you just tell our listeners what it is we're looking at? Certainly. Um, the Coral range originally was designed to look the way it does when you come into the cord room and see it because of the DAC64 technology which generates an enormous amount of heat and in other words to dissipate that heat we have to put it into a a full aluminium chassis um, rather than um, putting heat sinks on or ventilation to keep it quiet and stable. Um, Off the back of that all of the rest of the products have been designed in the same casework and then we've made a rack to accompany that which is called the Aspire which is what you see there. So if I was going to go out and um two channels my thing and I go out and I, I see this blows my mind design wise but why should I pick this performance wise ok in terms of the actual technology inside the box despite it looking small and pretty we are using exactly identical FETs output FETs and high frequency power supplies in the baby coral series as we do in our reference monoblocks the SPM 14000 at £22,000 each the only difference is in this which is the um, Mezzo 140 we're using um, four output FETs um, but the block itself the actual output FET is exactly the same um, there's just 16 pairs of them in the monoblocks instead of two pairs in the stereo power amp in the core range but 
that that particular amplifier design is used by Abbey Road, THX Lucasfilm, at Skywalker Sound, BBC Wales, BBC England, uh, BBC Scotland, and so on and so on. The the, the list is endless. But the actual output FETs that uh, Demi at the factory builds, he doesn't know whether they're going to go into a Mezzo 140 or a reference monoblock or to a studio. They're all the same FET, same with the power supplies. So the technology is very much top-down technology. So you're getting the same output FETs as George Lucas uses when you buy a choral system. If our listeners are, c- are coming down to the show this weekend, um, why should they pop in and see Cord? Um, well, we'd like to think we're the best, simple as. <laughs> that's, that's a fairly concise answer, I'd like to think. <laughs> Just before we finish up, I noticed uh, you using uh, Wilson Binish speakers. Is is that because it suits the, the Cord sound? I think at a show, it's the most neutral sound that we can get. I mean, we use dozens of different manufacturers at, uh, at the factory itself, but certainly it's it's on the neutral side. So for a show, it, it tends to show off our equipment without necessarily adding any coloration from the speakers. Nathan, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us, and all the best for the show. Thank you very much. It's more than just stuff. I would deem it excellent. This is the AV Podcast. And I'm with uh, David Shaw from Icon Audio. Now, David, you do things a little bit differently. Everything in that room, you design. That's correct. Yes, yes. We, we design in uh, Leicester, UK, and uh, manufacture prototypes. And then uh, the the um, uh, I, I go out to China, and um, we we manufacture there. And then uh, when um, uh, when the products uh, arrive in the UK, uh, we finish them off. Uh, we tube them. Do any necessary tweaks and make sure that they match the original specification that way we we can be assured that uh, every product does what it should do and also uh, from a reliability point of view especially if goods are going to you know the other end of the country or maybe even abroad tubed amplifiers is there a great deal of use for them nowadays well, uh, the, the, the short answer is, which, which is the one that you're looking for, is, is, is yes, because tubes have um, a lot of advantages over uh, transistors and solid state, mainly that they are um, very uh, simple devices and you can make an amplifier with three or four stages or, or even two so that the signal path is, is very short. Um, on the other hand, um, that they valves or tubes have uh, massive headroom, and when they and if you do overload them, when that when they distort, um, the distortion is is much more friendly than that the sort of thing that you get off a, a transistor. Now the way things are moving in the the whole hi-fi market, the whole AV market, things very much towards five channel, six channel, seven channel, um, digital amplification, all that kind of thing. Do you think there's a, a resurgence? People are finding their way back to two-channel. Oh, I think there's a, there's a lot of interest in in two-channel. Certainly, we we're finding that when I started this business uh, nearly ten years ago, at the, at, the, at the back of my mind, I, I wondered if two-channel would would you know sort of stay the course. But fortunately, I'm I'm, I'm proven right, and uh, uh, I think that that for conventional music, then two-channel has, has got a lot of mileage in it. Um, but as I said to you earlier, the, um, also for, for AV applications, um, a lot of people complain that you know, some AV systems, although they sound very impressive, can be somewhat harsh and tiring. And, uh, and I think there is uh, some, uh, an application for uh, tube top technology there. So, so you would advocate adding five monoblocks, tube monoblocks, and, uh, onto an AV system? Well, if, if somebody has, the, the complaint that, that I often have is that people have 
disposed of their very good two-channel system and invested in an expensive AV system. And whilst it sounds very good for AV purposes when they're watching movies or whatever, um, when, when they want to listen to their old two-channel recordings, even if they just switch to two channels, um, that, it, that it, it, they don't get the same enjoyment and there is this listening fatigue problem. Uh, which you don't seem to get with valves for you know, various reasons, although they're not necessarily fully understood. So, yes, it is possible to, have, to do a combination. Uh, we, we have quite a few customers who use valve as the front channel uh, and maybe have some sort of switching arrangement with a separate decoder or uh, buy two stereo amplifiers or five monoblocks or whatever. So, you know, it's something that we... Uh, we're getting more involved in. So if people are heading down to the show Saturday and Sunday this weekend, um, why should they come in and search out Icon Audio? Sound quality. Tubes sound better. <laughs> we, we can prove it. Come and have a listen. So if you're heading down to the show, come and pay uh, Icon Audio um, a visit. And thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. So we're with uh, a company who a lot of forum members probably haven't heard of um they're called roundtree acoustics and they've got a fabulous looking um new design in loudspeaker and with me is paul burton so paul um just tell me a little bit about the design of these speakers then well they're an omnidirectional loudspeaker for about two-thirds of the range up to two kilohertz um where they hand over to a small ribbon um and they then become a monopole so they can provide the sense of scale of an omnipolar speaker, at the same time focusing the image for um, sort of good three-dimensional recreation of the soundstage. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to say, explain that to me as if I was a three-year-old. OK. Um, they produce a holographic stereo image, um, if you're sitting anywhere near the right place. So they're um, a, uh, basically a small, domestically acceptable, um, full-range speaker, um, with, uh, I hope, real musical values, because that's what we try to engineer into them. So what the loudspeaker here is doing, is that it, it's actually interacting with the room? To, yes, to, to a greater extent than uh, normal, it's interacting with the room, because it's actually exploiting the early arrival reflections from the side walls and the back wall, also the floor and the ceiling. And the intention is to make the reflected sound have a much closer... Uh, marriage with the spectral content of the direct sound that you're hearing at the listening point. Now, I've got to say, it's definitely um, a, a different sound, um, certainly not something I've heard before. Um, what gave you the idea for this? Well, um, my background is largely in panel speakers. Um, I spent uh, six years at NXT, um, and I've learned a lot there about the importance of directivity of panel output and the uh, use of dipole uh, panel speakers and so on in rooms and the advantages they have. Unfortunately, they're all huge. They're very big things. And I wanted to design something that had some of those same spatial qualities, but in a much more acceptable, small package that um, doesn't put you off having it in the room. So if people are coming down to the show at the weekend, um, definitely come in and have a listen. It is something to listen to. And um, why should they come and see you? Um, because we're trying to have fun here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as, as good an answer as any. Um, and just one final question. If I once had uh, a pair of these speakers to uh, my system at home, what, what kind of price range are we looking at? Um, the entry level is uh, £3,800 per pair, and the premium version, which has silver wiring and a lot of solid stainless steel involved, um, is £4,600. Thank you very much for your time on the podcast. Okay, thank you. 
The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums podcast. So finally, in a sea of two channel, we've finally managed to see some quality AV. And I'm sitting with Alan Rosa for Sim 2. Hello, Alan. Hi, Phil. How are you? I've um, uh, got so ahead now, all that two-channel stuff, I, I needed to relax and have a, a, a quick look at Hot Fuzz there on the uh, CinemaScope screen. Looks very, very good. Tell us a little bit about the projectors in there. Well, we've got something very, very special. Uh, you'll be aware of the C3X uh, 720 projector that we've had now for over two years. Still the world's smallest compact three-chip DLP. And, of course, the question is, is oh, when are you going to do the 1080 version? So the answer to that is now. Um, it's the first time we've launched here in the UK. We did the launch uh, two weeks ago at, uh, in Denver at Cedia, and uh, the reaction was absolutely phenomenal. We're very, very pleased with that. And I'm hoping we're going to get the same result here at uh, this weekend's show. So we're very, very pleased that we this is the first outing for the C3X 1080, and we're shooting it through a nice Go 3 anamorphic lens on a, a nice 12-foot wide screen. So... Uh, a lot to uh, lot to go through and uh, very very pleased with the performance hopefully you liked it as well yeah very impressive um black levels very good i understand there's some new technology in there well we've using um texas instruments have announced the arrival of a new dmd uh, and this is uh, given the designation dc4 uh, so there are an improved uh, uh and or black level um and contrast ratio increased up to by 30 percent we're looking at a contrast level of over 10,000 to 1. Um, so with that and with the new uh, 1080 optics that we have uh, within the C3X, this is where we get in the extra uh, contrast and, uh, and brightness. So that's basically where it is. And it's the first three-chip projector to have DC4 fitted. Now, I understand that uh, technology is, is going to move down the product range as well. And I understand the D80's got a new look as well, a new evolution look. Well, we've basically been able to give uh, all of our single-chip projectors a bit of adrenaline, if you like. Uh, this has been with the launch of two uh, important technologies. One is uh, Texas Instruments' brilliant colour. And very briefly, um, this is where, instead of just simply using the primaries of red, green and blue to produce an image, something that is very unique with uh, DLP is that we're able to add the secondary colours of cyan, magenta of yellow. So we're immediately expanding the colour gamut of the projector. And this is completely unique to DLP. No other uh, projection technology can use that. The other uh, uh, feature is uh, a new lamp technology called Unishape. And this has been developed in partnership with Osram and TI. And once again, SIM2 is the first company to implement this. And very briefly, we are able to modulate the lamp uh, and for it to produce specific colour wavelengths in time with the colour wheel. So when the red segment is in line, if you, if you like, the lamp can be biased to produce more red, uh, maybe less green, and then more blue and so forth. And this is done micro-precision um, precision in time with the colour wheel. And what this gives us is basically, with brilliant colour and unishape, we've doubled the light output at D65 and increased contrast by over 60%. Uh, It also has a feature which I've effectively called dynamic dimming, that we actually can dim the lamp as well between the uh, switching between one colour and another. So 
very quick, very clever, but the clear difference is what you see on screen from single-chip DLP is phenomenal. Uh, a tremendous improvement. So, uh, and again, we're one of the, uh, well, we're the uh, first company to bring this uh, to, to market. It always impresses me, your demonstrations. Um, I think you're, you're one of the only, only a handful of companies that actually demonstrate properly. Um, I've been blown away with your demonstrations in the past. What can people expect this weekend when they come on Saturday and Sunday? I hope it's the wow factor. I mean, the important thing about all of what we do is, is the final result is sitting down and watching movies and enjoying the whole experience visually and, and through with the, the audio stimulation as, as well. I think quite often at, at shows and when you look at some of the discussions at the forums, people tend to sort of get over-involved in all the technicalities and things and forget that we're sitting down and watching films and being entertained and having fun and things like that. And I'm hoping that people will come here and see and be entertained and, in, and enjoy it. And, of course, we're showing a premium um, high-end product. We will have the D80E um, on as well some of the time, but we're showcasing C3X 1080 because it's, a, it's a, an important landmark for, uh, for, for Sim 2. But the other point is, if I may say, is that we're not doing anything that's complicated. Everything that we do, and people can look, it, it's a DVD player, HD DVD player, or a Blu-ray player plugged into one of our projectors. There's no tricks, there's no secret weapon other than the fact that, yes, we set them up properly, we point it at a screen, and we sit and enjoy. And that's the, the great thing about the whole thing. So that's what I want people to come to, to have a great time. Ask us questions. It's a bit of a Blu-ray versus HD DVD thing. It's part of the, the uh, home cinema choice um, partnership and also with our friends at Arcam and Kef and Core Cables we're putting on this show to show people just what fun high definition is all about and I think you know I'd hope people remember that it's all about having fun because I love it Thank you very much for your time, I know you're a busy man all the best for the weekend and hopefully you'll get plenty of visitors coming in and enjoying themselves. I hope so, that's the plan yes, thank you very much for the Phil the highest definition. I got you the big screen TV. And THX quality sound that would make George Lucas cream in his pants. This is the AV Forums podcast. So we're nearly finished at the London Sound and Vision Show and we've bumped into Mark Cheffins who's on official business today. Yeah, hi. How you doing? I'm at the show. Flaunting our product. Disgracefully in any way, shape I can. So you're in the uh, the home cinema choice room with Sim 2 and so on, you're showing the, the amplifiers, is that correct? Yeah, we've got the 505, 605 and 905 here, so people can actually come and have a look. Um, and it's great, we've got little giveaways, which have nearly all gone, but hey, <laughs> it's been very, very popular. Um, it's, we had the opportunity to come down and show our wares, which was great. It was all a little bit last minute, but that's fantastic, don't mind doing that. And Simmer putting on a fantastic demonstration of high def picture. So I thought it was great that we've got the ability now to do high def sound as regards as the blue and red, whoever may win, um, on the audio formats. So yeah, it's really, really good. It's been quite busy. So lots of positive reactions from the dealers today, which is obviously a trade day and then two public days. 
and we're looking forward to people coming along and having a look and asking questions. It's a, it's an interesting show. It's very much two-channel um, for the majority of the show, but it's, it's also good to, to see that you know the AV side, the five-channel side, is still there. Yeah, it is. I mean, historically, it has been very two-channel-y, but there are things that is used in the two-channel world that can quite happily and easily be used in the multi-channel world. I mean, there's a couple of companies doing mains conditioning, good quality mains leads, the whole power issue I'm very, very interested in and very, very pro making sure you get good, clean energy into your piece of equipment, which will give you a better end result via audio and picture. So those can be transported from two-channel to multi-channel, no problem at all. There's some cable companies here and some speaker companies. So, yeah, there's, you've got the tweaky two-channel valve amps that cost a huge amount of money and you can't lift them unless you've got three mates built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But there's a lot of other interesting stuff. So if you're just coming down to look for multi-channel dedicated stuff, then you might think, hmm... Is it worth it? But look a little bit further than that. Yes, it is worth it because you can turn lots of other things to other tricks. So, yeah, overall, all the shows, I think, are well worth it. you just got to look a little bit deeper than the surface and you'll see there's a whole wealth of little treasures in there that you can actually benefit from. So, Neil, we've, uh, we've had a look around the two-channel stuff. Um, it gets very, very samey when, when you get into the two-channel world, but there was a couple of things that have... Um, certainly stood out for us this morning uh, one was the omnidirectional speaker which was a uh, very interesting angle to take yeah it was a very interesting uh, design not something that I've come across too often before um, the sound quality uh, was was quite impressive I have to say it was a different sound um, not one that I've experienced before and uh, I would encourage people to come along and maybe open their eyes a little bit to some of the other things that are out there um, not a, a traditional speaker design as such now that was uh, Roundtree Acoustics uh, that were doing those those speakers there. So yeah, definitely for people to come come and have a listen to. Um, Mark, any sort of show highlights for you? You've had a, a bit of a look around, have you? Uh, no, actually I haven't had a chance. I've been pretty much stuck to the booth. <laughs> um, I've had a quick look and there actually is a couple of companies doing some, uh, some mains conditioning actually opposite us across the corridor, which actually have come from the States and from what I've heard they're actually you know something really interesting to look at so i grabbed some info as i was running past and i'm gonna sit, and sit down and have a read of that hopefully over the weekend at some point and maybe even if i can even try some stuff out um because that's really one of the core important things i think but i haven't had a chance to look in the other building yet because i've been it's been a bit hectic well, you've got some new toys to show off anyway, so that's that's a plus point, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, new toys. Got some new toys coming in October. Um, HD DVD player. I'm not going to flog it to death too much, but we're, we've got some really, really good hopes. It looks fantastic, um, both itself, and as soon as I get my hands on it, I'll be letting anybody, everybody know how good I think it actually is. No bias there? No, not at all. Woohoo for HD DVD. Boo for Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, I'm sure you'll be back on the uh, on the next podcast, but for now, we'll let you get back to the booth and let you get back to your selling your wares today. Thank you very much. I'm here all week, as maybe someone famous might say. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Mark. This is the AV Podcast. So we've managed to get to the end of the day at the London Sound and Vision Show. Uh, Neil, what's your final thoughts? 
Um, it's been an interesting day, Phil. A few different things to see. Um, rather a strong emphasis on two-channel over the, the AV stuff that perhaps some of us would find a bit more interesting. But still, uh, a day well spent. I think, really, if you are a fan of two-channel, you're going to be in heaven here. I would agree with that, absolutely. So, uh, not a great turnout for AV, but if you're into your two-channel, get yourself down to the show. Um, some very interesting products to see, some excellent demonstrations. And uh, we'll sign off from the Sound and Vision show in London. And we'll be back, as always, next month. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.